Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and to all of the women who are raising children. Today's a great day because we can take time and thank those women in our lives who've specifically helped raise us. And so I'd like to throw a special Happy Mother's Day out to my own mother. Hey mom, hope you have a wonderful day. Even though our sermon today isn't specifically dedicated to mothers, we all in the church have the same mother as well. No, I'm not talking about the one that cooked you dinner when you were a kid. I'm talking about the church. We all are part of the church. As Christ is married to her, we are sons and daughters of God, born again in the spirit and water through baptism, and so we can view the church as our mother as well. And that's something that's not spoken of often, especially in the Lutheran church, but it's something that we ought to take time to notice, especially because our sermon and the text for today talk about us as being living stones built up into a spiritual house. And that house is the church, and specifically sometimes your own particular congregation that you're a member at. So today, as we remember our earthly mothers, and we do something nice for them, like cook them breakfast, or write in a nice card, or do something special for them, we also want to take some time to remember the spiritual mother that we have, the church. And so with that, welcome to another podcast from St. James, Baltimore. I'm Reverend Eric Zane Bednash. Today is the 10th day of May, 2020, and our scripture readings for meditation are from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, chapter 7, verses 2, and then verses 51 to 60, and then the epistle of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 2 to 10, and then the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Sermon titled, Who Do We Believe? Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And so we ask ourselves, Who do we believe? Our gospel reading of John chapter 14 records the discussion that Jesus is having with his disciples during the Passover when they're in that upper room before he institutes the Lord's Supper. And and this is right before Jesus is going to be betrayed, brought to trial, and then put to death. But even at this time, so far late in Jesus' ministry, the disciples are still confused about what Jesus is doing and really what's he talking about. Thomas asks, Lord, We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And so it's easy for us, the audience, the readers, to criticize Thomas and all the disciples, probably saying, how could you not know by now, guys? Come on. Haven't you been with him for three years now? But it's not until the cross and then especially the resurrection when all of these things are made clear and the disciples finally understand Christ's purpose, which is to fulfill the scriptures to bear God's wrath against sin for our sake. That's what Jesus came to do. And if you were to skim through the next couple chapters in the Gospel of John, you would find Jesus promising the coming of the Holy Spirit, encouraging these disciples to stay connected to Jesus, who gives life, and then how the world will hate them because they love Jesus. 
And then he'll talk about the continued work of the Spirit as they proclaim this good news to the world. And finally, that their sorrow will turn into joy and their peace and their salvation is not of this world because Jesus himself has overcome the world. But there's still hardship ahead. That's what he says in these next few chapters before he's betrayed and brought to trial. Our gospel reading says, Believe in God. Believe also in me. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's how Jesus ends this little sermon that he gives or this discourse in the upper room with his disciples. Jesus speaks these words to his disciples in chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, explaining to them that he'll leave them, that they'll face trials soon. Yet, this is not the end. But his main focus throughout the Gospel of John, from John chapter 1 to even the end, is that the disciples and anybody else reading these words would know that he is the Son of God. He is the Chosen One. He is the Messiah. And his words have eternal life. And so the question is asked in John, who is it that you believe? We see many examples of who it is that these disciples and then then these apostles believe. We see an example of this belief in the work of the Holy Spirit in our Acts chapter 6 reading. We see the first recorded uh, martyr in the early church in the stoning of Stephen as he proclaims the truth and purity of this good news to the world and is hated for it. And this is the calling that Jesus was setting these disciples up for, was that very proclamation, the one in which Stephen lost his life over, only to gain his life eternally. And so just as our sermon and our podcast episode from last week for Good Shepherd Sunday was about knowing the voice of the shepherd and having discerning minds when it comes to those who speak and lead and teach us, and finally understanding what the scriptures say, This week is a little bit of a continuation of that very thing. Believe those words that you've been taught and long for them. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. That's what our reading from 1 Peter says. And so because our flesh is weak, And it's easy for our sinfulness to slowly creep over us and our lives and lead us away from that pure spiritual milk of God's word, which is nutritious and leads us towards the cotton candy sweetness of things that excite our sinful desires. We have to stay on top of it. Now, some of these things might not be so bad inherently. Yet, when we go towards a more sugary, sweet diet, and that's what I'll kind of call it for now, they begin to start us down a path that might eventually take us away from that pure goodness of the scriptures and inevitably lead us to false doctrines and wrong teachings and beliefs that are contrary to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, believe in me. Believe in my Father. Believe in the words that I say. And so again, this week, I implore you to check your daily devotionals that you might have sitting on your coffee table. Check them out against the words of Scripture. 
Even check them out against what the small catechism says or maybe the things that we believe as Lutherans. Because for you as Christians, you're part of a particular church and congregation and you claim to be a certain thing and believe certain things. And so either believe them or don't. But at least especially check the things that you're reading to make sure they're in line with the things that you say that you confess. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to speak with a lady who has read and is now rereading through that small catechism. She was so thankful to have picked it up again. She mentioned that it had been a long time since her own confirmation, and she was finding so much joy in reading these things. And even though they're the basics of what we believe as Christians, she said that there's a lot of depth in these things. And I said, you're right. She even mentioned that she Hope that all the people in our church would read the small catechism again. And I couldn't agree more. Because not only does it contain the basic teachings of the Bible, but it explains so many things that are really relevant to our lives right now in the small explanation that's after the six chief parts. And so, if you're bored during this quarantine and you've already binged all the seasons of all your favorite shows for the second or third time, try picking up the small catechism. And if you don't have one, ask me. I'm sure we can get your hands on one. There's even websites that have it on there for free. So there's no excuse to not be able to find it. But you see, Christ tells his disciples, I am and I am one with the Father. My words give to you eternal life. Or else, believe on the account of the works that I'm doing themselves and the works that I will do on the cross. The works that God has done that we should believe in are found in the scriptures, in his word. And there's countless examples of his good works for us. So if you don't read his word, how do you know it? How can you believe? And it's hard. I know the excuses, some of them personally, I've made them myself in my own life. The excuses are numerous and our sinful flesh loves to be lazy. And that's the struggle that we battle in this world of simultaneously being born again of the Spirit, yet also still encased in this sinful flesh. And so picking up the Bible sometimes can be a difficult task. There's numerous excuses under the sun. But our scripture today says that we are works of God, living stones being built up as a spiritual house. God works through us with his Holy Spirit, and we're not called to be lazy or to be empty vessels, but we're called to be a holy priesthood in which we are growing in faith and knowledge. St. Peter uses some really great imagery concerning this being built up type of thing. Listen again to the words that he writes in his first letter. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter says that we are living stones, not dead, alive. Stones that are living and stones that are being built up into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. 
Peter also uses the imagery of newborns. And for those of you who have children or who have had children, you probably know just how important nutrition is for infants and for children and even yourself. Babies need good and pure nutrition from the womb to after being born and even in their formative years. Amateur and professional athletes know the importance of a good diet. And you, like myself, have probably noticed a difference in your own lives when you eat well. You're not sluggish. You're mentally aware and sharp. Your body is running efficiently and you feel good. Not to mention all the other added benefits of being fit and in shape. Another example that I was thinking of as I was writing this sermon was the example of the dog that my wife and I have. Now, we feed her at the same time every day, and we feed her the same food, and it's delicious, I guess, because she gets excited for it every time she sees it. But the thing is, that food is good. It's nutritious. It's made for her specifically so she can be built up. But if she decided one day to not eat the good, true food that we've given her and instead look for crumbs and dust around the house to eat, well, eventually she'll get sick and she'll be in a pretty bad situation. And the same can be said for the diet of spiritual food that we consume. And have we ever stopped to ask ourselves that? What is it that we are consuming? Does it fit with the words of Christ? Is it illuminating our lives, or is it just comforting our sinful desires? And illuminating, I mean lighting up the darkness, which can be a painful or uncomfortable thing since we like to hide in the darkness. We can hide our sins in the darkness. And when God's word shines on us, those things come out, showing us our need for repentance, causing us to face these things in light of a holy God. But there's forgiveness in that. And like many other pastors, I like to use this example for spiritual food. Cotton candy and chocolate cake or potato chips. Or maybe just think of your own favorite snack or comfort food. Go ahead, picture it in your mind. Those things are delicious. They fulfill our cravings. They're easy to eat. And while a well-balanced meal might be better for us, especially one consisting of vegetables, sometimes that well-balanced meal is not so fun. Maybe it's a little more difficult to find or prepare because you can just open up the pantry and eat a bag of chips while you're standing there trying to decide what it is that you really want to eat. But eventually those comfort foods or those foods that we love to snack on start to show their true colors. They're not long-lasting in the nutrient department and eventually will become malnourished and eventually die if we don't have the right nutrition. And while vegetables might be not as fun or a little less appealing at times, it's what our body truly needs because they have the substantial nutrients for us to be built up. Pure spiritual milk, truthful preaching, and explanation of the scriptures are these vegetables. Devotionals and doctrines of the church that align themselves with the true words of Christ and in Scripture are those types of vegetables. Yeah, you have to search a little bit more for them in a bookstore or online, especially in social media websites. But in those true and pure spiritual milk 
filled vegetables, we'll call them, you will find truly edifying nutrients because they are in line with the word of God. And if you don't know what these vegetables look like or these good sources for study or growing in the faith and knowledge, ask me or ask your pastor. They'll guide you on where you can find some good vegetables. And for this is what we need spiritually. God's pure word. For through it, it is how we are to be built up strong. Because we are called to be living stones, built up in truth and purity. St. James Baltimore is called to be built up as living stones, as a spiritual house, in truth and purity. Not in weakness, not in cotton candy filled doctrines. Because how can we stand up against a world so dark and so wicked if we've been consuming chocolate cake as our spiritual food our whole lives? So let us long for the pure spiritual milk of God's good word and works. Let us desire to meet and to gather in study of that pure spiritual milk. Let us grow up strong as living stones in to the spiritual house that we've been called. Because you've not been called to be an empty vessel. You've been called to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Sacrifices of the lips and prayer and praise in the name of Jesus. Sacrifices of the mind and of your time as you study God's word, hearing it, reading it, and inwardly digesting it. You have not been called or chosen to be unknowing. You're not called to be couch potatoes. Rather, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been called to believe in Christ and his word. You've been called to hear, see, and know all his works that he's done for you and your salvation and to believe them. You've been called to be living stones, built up and strengthened by his food, which gives strength to everlasting life. The Lord has provided pure spiritual food for us, and it's offered at the same time every week and can be offered at the same time every day. We get to hear that spiritual food and inwardly digest it on Sundays. We have access to it 24-7 if we really, really desire to. The Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we might see and understand the works of Christ and that we might be able to face the trials in this world, knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. Christ has given to us his own body and blood for spiritual food. And when brought out of darkness and into light and given good, pure food, let us not reject it, but rather let us find substance in it so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him to others, so that they might have that pure spiritual food as well. Amen. As I said last week, I encourage all of you who are tuning into these podcasts to take a look at the scripture meditations for each sermon, as I don't normally read them in the podcast. And 
the sermon will make a lot more sense and you'll have a good context for what's being preached about if you take a look at those scripture verses. And you can do that before or afterwards, but at least at some point, take a look at them so you know exactly what the context is behind it all. It's good, true, pure spiritual food for you. And so there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit more time in God's word.